Hi everyone, Katie Anderson here, and I am so thrilled to be speaking with my latest author interview guest, Dr. Lynn Kelly, about her latest book written in conjunction with John Shook. So if you are a change leader and have been struggling with implementing change in your organization or figuring out how to not be the 70% of the failed change initiatives, this book is for you. Lynn has written a book with John Shook called Change Questions, and this book is the answer to your challenge in how you are going to successfully create uh, sustainable transformational change. And I just read the book uh, this past week, and they are some powerful questions, and you know how much I love questions. Questions inspire us to think and so much more. So I am thrilled to dive into the stories behind the book. Lynn's advice from her rich career leading change in multiple industries around the world and the process of writing this book with John Shook that has just recently been released. So welcome, Lynn. Happy to have you here. Thank you, Katie. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, great. Well, I'm, you know, you and I have talked a bit over the last year and uh, or year or so as you were working on the final parts of the manuscript and thinking about how to bring your book to market. And so I'm super thrilled that it is um, finally out for the world to learn from and help to create more meaningful and sustainable change. Um, before we dive into the content of the book and some questions um, about your advice, questions and your advice, um, give the audience some background on who you are and what led you to write change questions? Ah, well, let me answer the first part, the second part. What led me to write change questions is all my change failures. How's that? <laughs> Lots of them. Um, you know, I, I uh, went through a career. I was, I was very, um, I was the chief operating officer of a very, very small community hospital. And I was dabbling with lean back then because in my MBA course, weirdly, we went to Japan in the late 80s, early 90s for a semester and we observed Toyota. And I saw lean and I went back to that hospital and I, you know, I thought we can, we can do this. Um, and it was amazing. And then, um, and then I became a, I got, I, got my PhD in evaluation and research and I became a stats professor, but I followed, you know, lean and change management and, uh, and Deming actually for a, a very long time in the terms of my studies and uh, ended up consulting a bit. And the, one of the companies I was working for consulting won the Michigan quality leadership award based on the early lean stuff they were doing. So that was not so much a direct failure, but the next thing was, cause then they came to me and said, why don't you quit academia? We want to transfer you to France. Uh, you can live in Paris and you're going to work in France and Germany and implement that change there. And first failure, big failure. And that started me down this path. So every time I implemented change and failed, I would go right to the research. I've read every change methodology out there, I think. Um, but also just general, like peer-reviewed stuff, general methodologies. And I would say, okay, what does the research say about this? What should I do? And that's how the change questions got to be developed. That's great. And how... I'm, I'm curious too, how did you and John Shook come to collaborate on creating this book out of the, the change questions you'd been using? 
Well, we can thank COVID that we can't thank COVID for a lot, but I can thank COVID for that that bit because John and I were on a board together and we had a call during COVID, right at the beginning of COVID. And then I said, so what are you doing during COVID? And he said, I'm writing a book. And I said, ah, I'm writing a book. I said, what's your book about? He said, change. I said, my, my book's about change. And what we decided to do, because we we really didn't talk to each other about what we had done in the change place. You know, I, I think if you're if you're in lean, in the lean world, you're going to be influenced by some of the literature out there about change, but you know, it's kind of usually secondary. So, but neither of us had talked about it. So I said, so you know, what are you gonna do? And and what we ended up doing is we said, let's write a chapter a month. Let's send it to each other a week ahead of time. We'll have a call every month and we'll give each other feedback. And it didn't take us long. It was like the second month. And we realized that over his 40 year career and his, his was, he was instrumental in working with Lean Global Network for the Lean Transformation Framework. And that's the book that he was writing. And when we compared what I developed over my long career, there was a 90% overlap, 85, 90%. And the things he was missing, I had, and the things I was missing, he had. So we both chucked out all the work we had previously done and we started all over. Yeah, that's great. You know, I, I uh, well, for a little backstory for those new listeners who may not know who John Shook is, he is, uh, he was the first non-Japanese employee of Toyota Motor Corporation. He reported to Isao Yoshino, who's the subject of my book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn. And John actually wrote the foreword uh, to, to my book, which was published right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, but similarly to you, uh, Lynn, when I was working on my book with Mr. Yoshino, we, you know, we thought we would both be, I, you know, we knew I would be writing, but we thought that both of us would be sharing our own stories, but we had to, sh we totally shifted how the book was going to be with me as the author and him as more of the subject. And I think it's really interesting through the writing process. Um, we have discoveries about what's the best structure to actually create the right impact for, for audiences. And it may not be what we, we thought we were going to start with. Exactly. And even, you know, midway through, we changed again and we we just kept adjusting and it just what and you, you've probably noticed in the book, one of the big adjustments is, uh, well, John and I have very different voices. Mm. So he I like to say he is deep and philosophical and I'm like shallow and practical. <laughs> and I shallow, have to... You're energetic. And oh, well, well. But you know, I mean, I had to look his words up in the dictionary. But I, I mean, I he and he hurt my brain when we were working together. I'm like, oh, John, I can't think this hard, this deep. This is amazing. But the thing is that we found is we I wrote it because I have a different voice than him, and I had the case study, so I had to do the writing. But he kept reading and reflecting, and we kept we kept bouncing off of each other all the way through, and then I would go and adjust it. But there wasn't a place for his voice in that format. So then he started writing John's notes. So at the end of every chapter, he gives his broad, yes, thank you, his broad experience. And what I'm hearing from people, it's so funny, is that because we're all different kind of learners and we like different things, some people are like, oh my gosh, it's all about John's notes. I can't wait till the end of the chapter to read his reflections. Some people are like, oh, I'm all about the Union Pacific case study. I can't wait to hear what happened next. You know, people are, people respond to different things. And that, this is great because it reaches a multitude of different types of learning styles. Absolutely. I I really enjoyed the 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 format of you you're Good. writing the 
the U Union Pacific case study, but then you also have the section that's really sort of your your story, and then there's John's notes as well. And so there's really opportunity for different voices, different elements, and people can continue to go back to it and learn in different different ways as well. So like use it in multiple um, for multiple layers of learning. And and Katie, you know what's so funny for me is that I went back to it a couple of times and, and read John's, well, you know, I've read it a few times, a lot of times because proofing and everything. I'd times. read John's <laughs> notes again. Yeah, like too many times, but I'd read a section of John notes and I went, it would be like a new revelation. It would be like, oh my gosh, that that one sentence makes me think of this differently because because you know he's so smart and he's so it was good it was so much fun we had a blast yes. I had a blast you can ask him if he did but I did all right I'll have a follow I'm gonna have follow-up conversation with John you yeah. know I was, what you just said is like reflecting and seeing things from a different angle even though you've you know read and heard those words you know hundreds of times probably a thousand times at the time end of writing I, one of the things Mr. Yoshino said to me when he was reading our, you know, he's rereading our book or even just final review of the manuscript that it's his stories, but he's like, I got caught into the story and then was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. And then he's like, but oh. it's me. And so like, <laughs> because I think that's the power too, of like, we can go yeah. back and hear things from a different yeah. angle or yeah. in a different time and place we hear, hear things. So I, it's a great book and lots of different layers of, of learning. I want to go back, uh, Lynn, to a comment you made that you were, you know, the book was inspired by you learning from failure. Yes. Uh, that's a key thing of my book, too. And a, really the toy it away and of, of lean, too, is how do we yeah. learn from failure and continue to, uh, the, you know, as Mr. Yoshino says, failure isn't failure if you've learned something. So could you share with us one of the the big failures, or it doesn't have to be a big, but something, some of it was a failure yeah. that really stuck with you that really, that has helped influence how you lead change. Oh yeah. And, and in fact, the, the biggest, the one that wasn't all that, it was pretty substantial, but not one of my biggest failures, but it's the one that the learning that I got for that, that, that goes in the, in the, that ends up in the book as one of the change questions seems to be one of the most powerful things in the book. People always say, oh my gosh, that like changed the way I approach change. And that is, so I had rolled out a change. At, at some point I was I was reporting to the CEO at Textron and Textron is a Fortune 200 company. It uh, owns Bell Helicopters, Cessna Aircraft, Easy Go Golf Cars, you know, 30, where it operates in 32 different countries, hundreds of plants all over the place, all different businesses. And I was responsible for change at, at the holding company level, but over all of engineering, all of manufacturing, all of supply chain, all of those areas. And, you know, of course, here I am, I'm going to tell engineers, a VP of engineer, Bell Helicopter, how to, how to do his job. It's like, no, I don't think so. But I was, I was gaining traction and using the change questions and, and really, really starting to gain a lot of traction. And then I rolled out a change to a, to actually the continuous improvement folks that were my buddies, you know, they were my, the, the Lean Six Sigma folks. They were like, we'd gone through the trenches together. And, and I thought it was so easy and I don't need to go through the change questions. I don't need to do all of this. So I just rolled it out and I just sent an email. Hey, effective, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be, if you have any questions, call me. Oh my gosh, I got slammed. I mean, I got slammed. I have the email, phone calls, everything. It was just like, and some of the business units said, we're not doing that. We're not doing it. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> so 
that's when I really latched on to the 2060-20 curve. And Michael Hammer popularized it and popularized it. He made it popular. Okay. So, so he was the one that really made it popular and applied it to change. But when I went back to the original research, which is done at the, you know, the PhD level and all of that, basically it's this curve that has been around with these probabilities 20. And I'll talk about the probabilities quickly in a second, but 20%, 60%, 20%. So almost like a bell curve, but a little modified, but these probabilities had been around in terms of human behavior for certain things. And then somebody thought to apply it to change. But then a bunch of researchers went in and said, well, wait a minute, what does it really apply to? You know, kind of like saying the bell curve applies to everything. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't apply to everything. So what does the 2060-20 really apply to? And they found that it did apply to change. Basically, it means 20% of the people are change agents, open to change, 60% are neutral, and 20% are resistant in general or standoff and, and not really wanting to do it initially. And what I realized is, even though this is a simple change, it should be like, it could even be to the advantage of a lot of people. I got to think about those people who resist and the middle part are neutral. So that I, so then we built change questions all around that. So in other words, try to implement change as a pilot, especially if it's wide scale organizational change that targets change agents, because change agents will work with you. They like change and then try to bring over the neutral through recognition rewards. And suddenly the neutral folks are going, I want that, I want that, I want that. And pretty soon you've got, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point. So that's, that's a, that was a big deal. How do you, you know, so, you know, change leaders who are, you know, you have your change agents, either an operational leader or you're, you know, it's one of these continuous improvement coaches who are, was responsible for, for leading change um, at, at different levels of either small organization or huge organizations like you've worked at. Where do you advise leader, change leaders to start with these questions? Yeah. So with the questions themselves, well, John and I have been very careful about the because one of the difference between the change questions and a lot of the change methodologies that are out there is that the change questions are you can use them in any order. Um, you can pick and choose. There are eleven questions that really do cover a multitude of things. Whereas we're not calling it a a model where you go step one, step two, step three. But the very first one is about purpose. And so as lean professional, we have always been taught, you start with the purpose. What is the problem I'm trying to solve? So we do in, in terms of where, you know, purpose is the very first one. And we say, yes, you can do them in any order, but uh, we do start with purpose. And, and I have never done a change initiative where I haven't started with purpose, no matter what, if it's lean or anything, a new, new ERP or a supplier portal and whatever it is, purpose. Yes, I, I, I agree. Starting with purpose is so fun, fundamental. And also, yeah. you know, connecting people to their own personal purpose is such an accelerator for change too. How does your True. personal purpose connect with what the organization's trying to do? Because it can be more of a human anchor her human hook to that change, even if it feels challenging. Exactly. And we give that so much importance that we reflect on that several other times throughout the 11 questions, because um, we even put frequently asked questions as one of the change questions, because if, if we don't anticipate what questions people will have, 
managers, when they get those questions, will make up the answers. And the thing is, what the research has shown is that the very, very first reaction almost everybody has to an organizational change is, what's in it for me? Am I going to lose my job? Am my hours going to be cut? Is my So connecting what they see as their purpose and the frequently asked questions that they would have is really, really critical to connect all, answer those questions. And in the doing so, we connect them with the purpose. I, I like to share a very personal um, story and vignette about, you know, how change is hard, even if we're change leaders and we cognitively know about managing change and the change questions that when change is being required of ourselves, Right. We have that same, you know, quote unquote, resistance to change as well. We have a human emotional reaction. Could you share a little bit, uh, if you're willing, about that, your personal change experience and, and how that helped you learn how to lead change even more effectively when working with others? Well, personally, I, I think I fall in the change agent category, but but what I found in implementing change and what's been so powerful is just the recognition. When I look at the research for the people that naturally resist, um, a lot of the research says that we do so much damage to the change initiative and to even those people when, and I even hate the word resistor, but I, I can't think of a good like... He, he, those, it's almost like Voldemort, he who would not be named. I Those that would not be open to change. I mean, but shortcut resistors. But when people are resistant to the change that we want initiative by labeling them as, as bad people in our minds, or can you believe it? Or so-and-so, and we all, we've all had those experiences where once that person flips, they're our biggest advocate, um, but it takes effort. It takes time. And, and I guess one of the things I've learned personally is as a change agent, always anxious to change, I don't like to start with people that naturally resist when I'm introducing change. And if I, especially, you know, I always like experiments and pilots. And if I do that, I, I really try to find people that are at the minimum neutral, but mostly a, a person open to change because there's a time to to address the needs of the people that are not in favor of the change, but not at the beginning. In the beginning, it's all about momentum. It's about influencing that middle 60% and getting the tipping point. That's, you know, that's what it's all about. In, in terms of what my experience has been, that's that's what it's about. Absolutely. I think, you know, you highlighted one of the key things that Carol Dweck talks about, you know, in terms of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And when we label people as a certain quality, that's a very right. fixed mindset rather than they're having an experience. So someone is being a resistor or bad or whatever right. versus they are having, they are experiencing resistance to this change or they're feeling resistant. That's something that's 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 changeable rather than being more labeling and fixed. So really helpful for us in checking our even our own labeling of people when we're leading right. change of experience. Right. And and also assigning motivation to them because it could be that they care so deeply they they're proud of how they do what they do and they don't want us to mess with it they're afraid we're going to mess it up you know so also um assign I agree with you labeling and assigning motivations I think is is really um hurtful to them and to what we're trying to accomplish absolutely and I want to dive back into you know the what inspired me to write ask your original question which is about your own personal change and you know, you talk about it early in the book as a vignette of a health change that you realized you had to make. And you, you had the experience of feeling resistant and challenged. And I think that's very humbling for us 
as, you know, we're change leaders and all these resistors. And when we have yeah. oh gosh, a big change that we're being asked to do too, that's, you realize that we have a human experience. So it's not. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I see what you were referring to. Yeah. My, my embarrassing story in the beginning of the book. Um, so full disclosure, I love sugar. I love sugar. I love sugar. <laughs> and, and yeah. And I always felt when people say, oh, I can't eat sugar or whatever, I always felt like, oh, I can eat. I, I never said it, but I'd always go, oh, I can eat sugar, you know, and I, I've always kind of worked out. So I, you know, although weight is always an issue for anybody, me too, but I would, you know, I found sometimes sugar would cut my appetite weirdly. Like if I am craving food and I just have a piece of candy, I'm done. I, I just, I'm, I think I'm really craving sugar, you know, <laughs> but anyway, um, then a few years ago, I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic and wake up call, you know? So I did a lot of things and I, I mean, I really did a lot of things. I got one of those monitors just, and I was just barely pre-diabetic, but I thought I got to nip this in the bud, but it was so hard. And I kept failing. I had a dietitian. I marked down everything I wrote. I, you know, the whole bit. And, um, and through a series of small experiments, personal experiments, I was able to change my behavior. And I'm, I am now no longer and haven't been for two years pre-diabetic. Yeah, I know. I'm so happy. Well but the thing is, I did think initially, oh, piece of cake. Oh, of course, piece of cake. No, it's going to be so easy. And I love cake. So I no, but because I, I do change. And if I know I have to, to change, I should be able to, but I couldn't. I couldn't. And uh, it wasn't until I did. And, and experiments were a big deal. You know, and lean, we we it's so powerful to to experiment and then also the other thing i found is when i fail in an experiment when i when i don't succeed i make it do an experiment i don't succeed rather than you know beating myself up and going to eat junk food because i because <laughs> i'm like bummed about not succeeding i really had to take the mindset of saying okay but this is what i learned and i'm on a continuum and i'm on a learning continuum and i now know i have to plan the next experiment. And that's what, that's what changed the behavior. That's what, that's what changed my life. Wow. That, well, congratulations for finally Thanks. figuring out the, the interventions, the countermeasures that work for you. And I really love hearing that it's, you know, I always talk about personal PDSA or I yeah. like to call it study adjust plan B, which is the same thing. It's like, how do we, how do we have a learning mindset for ourselves and our own behaviors? You know, is it, be it a health issue uh, health related one, or even how we're showing up as leaders. You know, I talk about, we need to all break the telling habit. How do we ask better questions, pause a little yeah. bit more. And it's about running small experiments about getting a little bit better and seeing what works and not, um, and not beating ourselves up for being imperfect, right. you know, and because right. we are, we're human, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I want to switch into some, but go back to some of the, the writing of the book um, and for you, because uh, about the, about the change questions. So, you know, you, you've, you share in the book and you we've talked here, how these change questions have been really helpful for you in leading organizational change uh, for, for a while. What have you learned through the process of writing the book and perhaps in the collaboration with John as part of that process? That, that helped you understand the change questions even, I guess, differently? Wow. You know, uh, of course I learned a lot, but I think one of the biggest things I learned is right off, right off the beginning, we, we decided that we were not going to make this like a set methodology. We were going to let people own it, engage in it with their intellect, um, 
choose the things they wanted to do and and really make it fluid. I mean, we decided that uh, we wanted to make it alive for people. Um, but I had almost always because I had a there's you will probably mention it in a minute. There's a digital workbook that yeah. accompanies this and we'll probably get to that. And it's but I had used this digitally because I was working internationally for so long years ago, 15 years ago, and we would, you know, and, and I had a certain order because, uh, you know, when I say dig digitally now, it's so much better. Back then it was an Excel spreadsheet yeah. and every tab was a different question, you know, <laughs> and I just clicked. We just click through and, you know, that's so hard to write in, but anyway, it worked, but we click through the tabs, you know? Um, but then John, and especially like with the lean transformation framework, there is a bit of an order there too. And when we blended them, we both found in our brains that we were locked into a certain what goes where, like, where does management system go? Like I had management system in engage and developed employees because I considered management system as infrastructure because the research I had done had a lot of research about the actual organizational infrastructure works against the change and you have to evaluate that. So I thought, well, when we're engaging employees, if the infrastructure is working against it. So I had it there. John had called it management system, which I had never called it management system. But when you, when we both defined it and tried to compare, it was the same thing, right? So we had discussions, where does it belong? And at the end of the day, it belongs wherever the reader and the user feels it belongs for them. But but what I learned is even more so that even though I thought I was making it alive and fluid, I still was trying to get it in the order that I felt. And, and we ended up, um, it, was a, it was some great learnings from that. How, how did you resolve that for yourself? Like this feeling we, of like, this is how I've always done it, a little change for yourself. We did a lot of exper experiments in writing. So I, I would write it his way and I would write it my way. And then we would ask a couple of people to read it and we'd say, where does it where does it go best? And then we had actually moved one section, a different one. I won't give take the time to explain it, but moved a different section back and forth a couple of times. And we ended up in one place. And then we were putting together the digital workbook in a PDF at where the user actually, the reader, the user actually answers the questions. And the person putting together this beautiful PDF said, why is this here? You know, it feels like they're going to start something, then stop and go to something else and don't pick it up till later. And we realized, oh my gosh, it, it doesn't, you know. So, you know, again, it can, a lot of things can move all over, but um, but we we had some good discussions. It was good. That's great. And it also shows that it is, it, like learning is iterative and yeah. there is not one size fits all for learning, for change, for the the structure, but it's about getting back to purpose and then what's what's going to serve moving forward in the best. Right, right, right. So I was going to talk about, and so now's the time, the digital workbook. I, I love that you have a workbook that accompanies um, accompanies the book to really make it an interactive and reflective learning experience. So talk, uh, share with us how you came to uh, integrating that workbook into into the book and its and its purpose. Okay, good. Well, actually, the digital workbook for me came before the book because because 
that's what I was using. That's what that was the document I was editing all the time. If I'd add a new change question or add something to a change question or and and because I used it with so many teams globally, I had also built in examples from Textron and ultimately the case study is Union Pacific Railroad. So ultimately from Union Pacific. But um, so it, to me, it was an integral part of it because it just it's so fabulous even if you're together and you're sitting in a conference room you could you can put this document on the screen you see the example you answer the question you can play with it you can edit it and then if you wanted to like uh socialize whatever you did you can you can send this whole document and not only can they see what you want their feedback on but they can see the you can, it's like an a3 you can see the progression that gets you there what, what was what's the purpose who's who, you know what are the frequently asked questions employees will have all of that so what we did is decided, and what happened to me is people, when I would teach it to people, people would say, don't, don't we have a book? Do and I said, I would always say, no, I'm not writing a book. But then COVID hit. So I wrote the book. But with John and I, what we decided is the purpose, our purpose for writing the book, we just defined our purpose right from the beginning was not to make money. It was to get this in as many hands as possible. So the digital workbook's free. And you can download it today. You can, it's at changequestions.net. You can, you can get it now. You can use it now. You don't have to buy the book. If you want more examples, if you want more research, you want explanation, you want John's stuff, you know, John's notes, not, he would, not John's stuff, John's <laughs> profound notes, then you can get the book. But if you get the book and you read it and you're implementing it with the team, they can all just download the workbook. I mean, we, and we, you can share it with people and you can save all your answers on your own. You save it to your com own computer, whatever. So that's the deal with the digital workbook. And, and it's, um, it's now as of starting this fall semester, it's going to be used by students in three universities in five classes. And we've got about four other universities pending. So, you know, it all just came out in the last two months and it's just um, okay. people, people love the digital workbook. That that's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to read and be inspired and get some knowledge, but it's, it's, a, it's a workbook or reflection questions that is where that practice is where the learning really happens. And so to have exactly. that augmented is, is really, really powerful. And how great that you're influencing the up and coming change leaders in organizations at an early foundational level. I know, I know. It's so, it's just exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think back to your, you shared about you had the opportunity in grad school to go to Japan and, you know, and how much that influenced your career and the impact you made and being an effective change leader um, as well. So that's, that's super. Um, then I have one final question, which I often yes. ask authors, um, or people I'm interviewing is, what's one question that I haven't asked here, or you're not usually asked about the book or about leading change? that you would like to um, ask yourself an answer? Um, you know, I, no one ever asked me about Union Pacific. And, you know, the railroad is, you know, Union Pacific was founded by Abraham Lincoln over 150 years ago. I mean, it's iconic. A lot of people really love trains. And I went there after a whole career in manufacturing as a newbie also kind of reporting to the CEO, which is really hard because everyone who's at the railroad is there forever. And so, you know, not knowing the railroad industry and not knowing, and I got to tell you, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. I love the railroad. I love the people in the railroad. They work hard. 
they're passionate, they care about what they do. Sometimes, you know, you see a derailment and there's all this bad press and I, I get it. But the thing is, we're talking about people who really care and, and work harder than, let me tell you what, I've always worked hard. I've always worked with people that work hard. I've never worked as hard as I was in the railroad. You go in on a Saturday morning and it's like a Monday morning. I mean, <laughs> it's just hard working people who are, who are really, who are really caring about each other and about the business. So I, yeah, no one ever asked me that. And I'm glad you asked me to ask myself a question because I really want to just say how great Union Pacific is. Well, it's great. And thank you for sharing that and for asking such a, such an important question as well. And, <laughs> and you can, you know, listeners can read more about Union Pacific in in change questions, it's the case study that Lynn uses to walk you through how you can use these change questions to really lead transformational change. So there's you can learn more about um, her experience there and the and the organization too. So thank you, thank you, Lynn. How can people get in touch with you? Get a copy of the book. Um, tell us what what formats is it in? Tell us more. Right. Okay. So the book is in print. It's in uh, Kindle and audiobook. John reads his parts. I read my parts. And then we have a voice actor, actually two voice actors who read because the CEO of Union Pacific did a forward and we had a very important sounding person to read the forward. Anyway, um, so that's all on Amazon. And then um, if they want the digital workbook or want to get in touch with me for any way thing, uh, it's changequestions.net. And there's a way to get in touch with me through there and um, they can get the digital workbook there. And you're now on LinkedIn as well. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I even forgot to ask and say that because I, you know, I went my whole career without being on any, I mean, no social media. Even my grandkids, they, they, um, they don't, they know I don't. I'm on nothing. So yes, about six weeks ago, uh, I was forced to be on LinkedIn oh. and I actually like it. I actually yeah. really love it. It's, it's, I can't believe I resisted it for so long. Yeah. Well, go, so everyone <laughs> go over and connect with Lynn on LinkedIn as well. I remember one of, when we talked, it was probably over a year ago. Over a year asked, ago. And I, I said the same thing. I said, you're, if you, writing a book is one thing, but if you want to connect with people, you're going to have to be on social media. So I'm glad to see you on there. And it's more than just promotion it's connection and learning together so it um, it is yeah yeah and you're so you, katie you were right oh <laughs> you were right okay. i shouldn't have taken i should have taken your advice immediately because then i had to try to you know try to reach out to people over a course of weeks it was crazy well, linkedin kept locking me out they thought i was a robot yeah. <laughs> You weren't ready for that change yet. And so, and that's, oh yeah, true. I was resisting. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, but then you were ready for it. And now, now you're, yes. now you're an advocate for the change. And so that's great. Yeah. Um, well, well, thank you so much for being on here. I'm thrilled that your book is available, that you've co-written with John. Again, everyone can go get change questions and start asking yourself as a change leader, what are these, what's your purpose and for this change and all these questions that will help you be more impactful and really not fall into the trap of just trying to create change or force it upon it, but really create those conditions that are going to create lasting and sustainable transformation. So thank you, Lynn, for being thank here. You. And again, I'm Katie Anderson. You can subscribe to my newsletter, my chain of learning newsletter at kbjanderson.com. Follow me on LinkedIn, um, as well as the YouTube and, um, and podcast channels as well. So thank you so much.
Thank you. For, so for those of you listening in the first week of this uh, episode's release, Lynn and I have a special opportunity for you. We are jointly giving away three copies um, each of our book to three lucky winners. So um, enter below and you can get uh, registered to win your own copies of Lynn's book, Change Questions, written with John Shook, and my book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, with a forward from by John Shook. So we are connected <laughs> together in our chain of learning. So thank you, Lynn, and good luck to everyone. And again, if you uh, aren't one of the lucky winners, just head on over to Amazon. You can pick up a copy of both of our books there.